Well, hello everyone. My name is Jordan Schrader, and I want to welcome you to the first ever Handy Schlaft podcast. On this show, we will be talking about everything and everything from love and relationships to faith to family to disability pride to ableism to music, movies, video games, politics, current events, and everything in between, all from a disabled perspective. Now, a little bit about myself. I'm 27 years old. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I live with a disability called spinal muscular atrophy. But on top of that, I also have a great family. I have two wonderful parents, two beautiful older sisters, uh, two cats, and an incredible dog. With that said, I'm also a pastor at my local church, which I've been a member of for a few years now, and I preach there ever so often. And when I'm not doing that, I love to be with my friends, um, doing game nights, I love to be outdoors, and just about anything that's creative, including stuff like this. And now to start things off, we will begin our first series all about disability pride and ableism. So please join me in welcoming our first guest ever named Lori Young. All right, everybody, we are here with Lori Young. She is a recently new friend of mine whom I met online via Facebook. But before we get into all that, why don't we talk with Lori a little bit. And so welcome, Lori, to Handy Schlapped. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm doing well myself. Thank you very much for asking. It's so good to have you on the show on my very first episode of Handy Schlapped. And uh, it's been a pleasure just kind of getting to know you a little bit over the past couple of weeks. But for those at home, uh, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself here? Okay. Well, I live in Edmonton, Canada. And yes, it is already getting really cold up here. Um, I've been married to, for 23 years to my husband, Tim. Yesterday was our 23rd anniversary. And we still dig each other. So that's pretty cool. Um, I work in mental health. I work for Canadian Mental Health as a recovery college facilitator. So what I do is I facilitate, co-facilitate different sessions on mental health. So that's what I do. And what I like to do in my spare time is I have two dogs, Anderson Cooper and Pepper. And they're like my life. And um, a week from tomorrow, I'm going to be adding a service dog to our family as well. Wow. That's really awesome. Yeah. I have I'm to excited. Ask, I have to ask, why Anderson Cooper? Oh, just look at him. He's handsome. He's smart. He's brave. And my dog kind of looks a little bit like him. A little bit. I've seen the photos. Yeah, you kind of does. Uh-huh. That's, that's really great. Uh, I, hear, I, just, I hear this like underlining conversation 
online here and there at all these people being physically attracted to Anderson Cooper. I didn't know until like last year that that was a real thing. Oh, it's a thing. Like I say, if he wasn't gay, if I wasn't married, we could have something. Well, maybe I'm I'll sure have him on the show sometime. I'll have him give you a chat somehow. That would be great. And he could meet his namesake. That's awesome. My beautiful dog, Anderson Cooper. And you said you recently had your wedding anniversary. Just congratulations. Yes, seriously. Whether you're disabled or not, to have a wedding anniversary of that many years nowadays that is such an honor you know i it disappoints me how quickly some people give up on their marriages Mm -hmm. right i mean marriage is great um but it's work sometimes too right you're not always going to be happy with each other but you have to work that stuff to get to the good stuff you really do and it just feels like uh, the focus and the foundation just isn't really there as um, a society when it comes to marriage and all that. Um, this will be another topic in a future episode. We're so quick to jump the gun or just jump in general at the first sign that something comes up that we disagree with or mm-hmm. something that doesn't fit our assessment or our criteria. It's like, oh, jump let's go you know yep absolutely very true no way and then yeah so congratulations to you guys seriously um, what's your secret (laughs) i think good communication okay respect having fun together and never being afraid to argue that's huge and argue argue in a healthy way Right? I mean, you should never be able to say, afraid to say anything to your life partner, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a part of it as well. And we just, you know, he's my soulmate. We were just meant to be. I know that sounds sappy, but it's true. I like the way you said that. Thank you. Very well said. Especially with that, don't be afraid to argue. uh, It seems like today, that's the biggest thing to avoid. On one hand, yes, but nowadays, um, especially people my age, I'm at the tail end of the millennials. I was born in 93. Okay. So we're kind of the adopters of really going with the non-confrontational movement. Mm. And that's really kind of seeped into marriages, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Especially with the younger relationships. Like, as soon as anything mm-hmm. heavy or like the real stuff comes up with confrontation, it's like quick abort mission, like I was saying before. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, ironically, that's the key, is what you're saying. It is. And I'm not saying like argue about everything. But, you know, you pick your battles, but you should never, ever be afraid to say what you think and you, but you still always have to do it respectfully, right? There should never be any name calling or definitely no domestic 
violence or anything like that either, right? But you have to be that comfortable with each other that you can say whatever it is that you need to say. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing your secret. Now we all know it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and with speaking up and people kind of taking charge with that, that kind of leads into the topic for this episode. And I want to kind of go into the show now with this. And your original post that inspired this first episode of this series, which is going to be all about disability pride, advocacy, and ableism. How many episodes I'm going to do in this series, I don't know yet. But the first one is definitely going to talk about this. And just amazing how much of a conversation is going on. I have to ask you, why does the term SMA or disability warrior annoy you? It doesn't only annoy me, it makes me gag. Um, Because, let me back up a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. I, people think this is crazy. You might think it's crazy too, but I don't identify with my disability. I mean, it's there, I'm sitting in a wheelchair, hello, but it's not the most important part of me. I mean, the most important part of me is being a wife, uh, educator, a really good mom to my dogs, a good friend, Um, and calling yourself a disability warrior or an SMA warrior, like to me, okay, is that all there is to you? Is that your identity? And the other thing is, is I think it gives us, uh, gives people way too much credit, really. I mean, I don't know, like when you think of warrior, don't you think of somebody that's out to battle every day, fighting the enemy, right? At least that's what I think about. And mm-hmm. so those are the, re- the main two reasons. I don't identify that way. I find, now I'm going to make a sweeping generalization for a moment, okay? So forgive me for this sweeping generalization. Okay. But I find people that use those terms are, I, I want to say this politely, they don't identify with the rest of the world. They feel that they're oppressed. They feel that the rest of the world is against them um, and everything is ableist. And, you know, that's just not my life experience. And I grew, I'm, I'm way older than you, even though I sure don't look it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've never identified that way. And I grew up in, you know, the 70s where, you know, Things weren't always accessible or whatever, but I just made it work. Like in high school, I went to like a normal high school. Um, My friends had parties in the basement. And so, you know, a couple guys would pick me up and carry me into the basement. You know, there was no special ramps or anything like that. I just made do and, you know, was part of the crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, so you, you kind of just 
literally had to watch the world change in accessibility. You saw it all come into fruition slowly and gradually into the world. Yep. Um, nowadays, um, if something isn't remotely accessible in the slightest, um, all hell breaks Oh, then the crying begins. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I, when I grew up, I grew up, because this is my other theory. The world is not built for me, mm -hmm. right? There's not going to be ramps everywhere. The world is not built for my husband, and he's perfectly able-bodied. The world's not built for any one of us, and each and every one of us has a responsibility to ourselves to adapt if we want to have a full life, right? I mean, when I looked at, uh, you know, being carried down a whole bunch of stairs by some slightly drunken jocks in high school, um, was that a little scary? A little scary. But you know what? They were willing to do it. I was perfectly accepted in my high school. I was actually high school president. I was the only kid in a wheelchair there. Um, so my theory is, is just figure it out. And I mean, if, if there's a building I can't get into, is it really the end of the world? No. If it's a restaurant, well, they just won't get my business. That's okay. Plenty of other places I can get my business to. Absolutely. That's a really unique perspective to hear it on because, um, like I was saying, if anything is remotely off, if someone parks haphazardly or whatever, uh, the Karens come out, take a snapshot and report it immediately. Well, yeah, I get that. And um, in a way, I should talk. Um, a year ago, uh, my local swim pool, um, public swimming pool, um, they would not let me into the pool with a floaty right away because floaties weren't really allowed due to certain dangers, especially with infants. But I was a special case. Uh, all disabled people should, here I am with my Karen voice, uh, disabled people should at least have a floaty to go on. I mean, visually it's common sense, no matter if it's the 70s or 2019 or 20, whatever. I'm with you there. I agree with you. Yeah. And so uh, I had my little Karen moment where I was a little frustrated that I got denied. I went in with my parents without the floaty. Um, mm -hmm. We just kind of hung out. They went in. Uh, I had my mom and dad take photos. And I made a Facebook post about it. Oh. it. It blew up. And a few days later, I got my way. But it turns out it was kind of complicated. They were allowed to do it, but uh, the staff at that moment didn't really know. So it was kind of just really poor communication, apparently. So I don't know, that, but that's what it was. But now in retrospect, I feel terrible about it. I do. Why do I feel you feel like, terrible? Well, in the sense like... No. I like I had my little Karen moment, like oh, this is a, 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 my little SJW. You are no, no. 
You are not being a Karen. Right. You know what? You, you saw something that can be fixed, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that can be fixed. That's a really quick fix, right? Yeah. It's not like you were asking them to like put elevators in a 400 yeah. year old historical building. No, yeah. what you did was right. What you did was good. And you have every right to enjoy the pool just like everybody else. Don't right. feel bad about it. And I right. mean, think of the next, the next dude that comes along, right? You know what? You might've felt like Karen, but you, you, you've, honestly made it easier for the next person that came along right well i thank you for that i appreciate it thank you well it's true, it's true. i mean um, these are the things like you know what i believe in taking matters into our own hands when we have to especially when it's something like that and you did it and you were successful don't feel bad and if I hear you feel bad, I'm going to come down there and hit you with a block of cheese. So be careful. I'll just eat it or something. Thank you. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. And when it comes to those kind of situations where it is kind of an overdone moment where it's all blown up and everything nowadays, like everything is, this comes to question number two. And do you think the participation trophy culture has a little bit to blame to it? Or like disabled parents or parents of disabled children who kind of overpraise them? Do you think that has a little bit to do with it? Well, I won't say all parents. Right. But some parents, right? Right. I mean, I think that... Um, you know, we all don't deserve a thanks for coming out trophy, right? In order to uh, get a trophy, if that's what you're going for, or even, you know, praise or whatever it is. I mean, I think that you have to do something that that's appropriate for that, right? Yeah, I, I do think so. And I think that... um you know, I don't know a lot about the millennial culture, so I'm not going to say that I do. Mm -hmm. But I do work with some people of that age. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just making everybody wants to be included and make everybody happy. And But, you know, the problem with that is life isn't like that right like when you get into the real world when you're looking for a job even if you're forming friendships the real world doesn't like that so this um everybody gets a trophy or kids get overpraised do you th don't you really think that's caused causing them more harm in the long run with respect to the way that they're developing as a human being oh absolutely it's very obvious and I think it's good that we bring this up because, again, you mentioned 70s. That's when that really started, that whole movement. And um, so I think it's still leaking over to this generation, very much so. And we see it so much with, I deserve this, I deserve that. Like, it's such bad entitlement. 
that every yes. group and minority is eating yes. it up like candy. You know, and I'll tell you what one of my biggest pet peeves is, is a GoFundMe for absolutely everything. I mean, if it's a, a medical emergency, um, yeah, I'm going to go fund you. Absolutely. I'm going to help you out. But there's this one um, well-known individual who likes to take her clothes off and take pictures. You might know who I mean. I um, and this entitlement of um, everybody fund a $70,000 van for me. You know, like that kind of stuff just, it's that entitlement. That stuff really burns me up. I mean, there have been situations where I've known somebody that, you know, they really legit needed a vehicle because there was no paratransit where they lived. Um, you know, they've got very far advanced SMA and their friends did a GoFundMe for them. And I thought it was great. Right. Because that was kind of a life and death thing for her. But just the entitlement of everything. Like, do you see that too? Or is that just me? No, I hear you. Of course. And that kind of leads into is disability pride. Has it become kind of an attention seeking thing or is it still advocacy? It's kind of a, seems like there's a very fine line nowadays when it comes to that, you know? with more disabled people getting more access to the internet, social media, growing trends in social media, whether it's Instagram or YouTube, um, whatever, and power to them for real. Um, if someone's disabled and they're making some kind of following, great, good, wonderful, uh, I guess it just comes down to how it's represented and how it's perceived. And that's where it gets really tricky to distinguish when someone is advocating disability or even their own disability and when it's true advocacy or when it's just seeking attention. It gets really foggy. You know what I mean? I do. I've never understood disability pride. Honestly, I, I am I am not proud of my SMA. It, it, if I was to pick one thing about myself that I would get rid of, it would be this, right? But I am proud of what I've done with my life. I'm proud of that. Um, but I'm certainly not proud of having a disease right i i don't know i don't feel there's a lot to be proud of to be quite honest with you and um what i see this disability pride thing even more than attention getting i i see it, it's still us against them right like those able-bodied people rawr. Yeah. and i see yeah. i see <laughs> that disability pride as being a kind of a source of contention. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe it's just my experience, um, but from what I've seen on Facebook, the, the, the proud people 
um, are always the ones that are calling out ableism and being oppressed and et cetera. What's your view on this? I think it can be a little much. Sometimes I, I completely understand every minority wants to be heard. Everyone within yes. the minority wants to be heard. We've seen that with the civil rights, of course, and then mm -hmm. the ADA happening late 70s and into the 80s and all that. And so, especially now, again, everything comes back to social media. It's just so easy to jump on, say something, and get something out there. But when oh, it comes yeah. to just like being in a minority, well, specifically the disabled minority, because every story is different. Um, yep. It's just like antagonizing anyone that looks at you the wrong way. And I guess with me, it's, it's hard. I have my days. I'm 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 a I'm a lot like a a golem smigo, where some days I'm all er I hate walking people er they don't understand me er um, I despise them and then I have my okay. normal days where I'm like I'm cool with it they don't know disability is a complicated okay. thing it's not gonna be like oh I'm sorry I didn't know you know it's just not everyone is going to understand right away and it's like geez to calm down a little bit uh so that so what that a walking person didn't totally understand your disability right away or maybe they did say something offensive or whatever mm -hmm. uh, people just say stuff people say dumb stuff say people say um things that may be offensive whatever but I don't, I just choose to forgive. I'm not saying I, whoops, I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything. I'm not saying I'm completely graceful because there are days when I'm certainly not. Uh, but I don't know. I just never got onto the whole bandwagon of antagonizing anyone that misunderstands misinterprets or yeah. quote-unquote discriminates a disability especially unintentionally you know it's just it happens right i don't know i think we're just so and into that in the wrong way I, i've put my foot in my mouth um more than once and maybe i've said something accidentally um that maybe was offensive that i certainly didn't mean to um not to somebody with a disability but i can't remember what the case was but i think we're all guilty of doing that i mean i'm guilty of doing that not on purpose right but sometimes your best intentions don't come out that way no they don't and i'm totally with you there uh one day i was at work at my local home depot um cool. uh, yeah i'm a pastor um but i also work at my local home depot not recently because of my medical issues i've been dealing with with my feeding tube lately but uh, yeah. the one day 
I was sitting there. I'm, I'm a greeter. I was sitting there in the main drag, and I was sitting next to my assistant, and we're just doing our thing, telling people where stuff is. This uh, stereotypical Karen-looking lady. It was so funny. She kind of walked past slowly, and she looks at me and kind of smiles, and she was like, oh, I wish I could sit all day doing nothing and get paid. Or something like that, oh very similar God. to that. I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, I okay, have that's just, just yeah, that's rude. It is. Uh, again, people just say stuff, and you know, uh, I could have said a million things to her, a yeah. million rude things back to her that kind of you know prove that I'm not just disabled, like, I'm not this disabled idiot that's like, eh, eh, eh. but like, like, that to prove to her that disabled people are also able to be wisecrackers and do some smart uh-huh. Alec comment. I didn't feel that to do that. No, I just... No, but you were also, you were at work, so you were representing the Home Depot as well, right? True. So that was probably something that you were very mindful of as well. True, but I can have a smart mouth at work once in a while. Just, uh, yeah, that's my assistant, she's wonderful. Um, uh, but I don't, know, I don't always watch my mouth, but this time I did for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I just blessed her. I said, I think I just kind of laughed and I said, You have a blessed day, ma'am. And she left. I don't know, I just yeah. didn't feel like I had to be this big, whatever. I don't know, it bothered my mom. I told my mom about it when I got home, and uh, she flipped the lid about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, she's your mom. Of course she's going to. She's also Sicilian. I find, you know, <laughs> the well-placed eye roll it sometimes does the job. Right. Right? And rolls your eyes at them, and... Yeah, no. This, uh, so it kind of comes back to... Um, again, this will be a whole other episode on ableism as well. But I don't know. I just don't feel led to join that crowd in antagonizing every able-bodied person that oh. misunderstands. It's just disability is still fairly new. I guess that's weird to say. I know because in the 20th century. Disabled people were either institutionalized or they were homebound, whatever. So, relatively speaking, it's still somewhat newish. It's hard to explain, but you know, awareness is getting much better in better in healthy ways. But I think for those people that want to spread proper awareness. Just be more graceful about it, really. Yes. It's just, like, why do you, like, why, because you're disabled, why do you have to prove yourself by being some smart aleck, you know? And it's like, yeah, you can talk normal too, but that doesn't mean you have to prove it yeah. by being rude back, you know? You know, I was, I I am... Um have done a lot of work in schools um, facilitating mental health sessions, junior high and high schools. 
And one of the teachers came up to me today and she goes, you know what? She goes, what you're doing is the best disability awareness. And I'm like, what do you mean? We're not talking about that. We're talking about mental health. She's like, well, you're, you're working, you know, you're funny. You relate to the students. Um, and I, I kind of thought about it that after. And I thought, yeah, you know what? She's right. I wasn't there talking about my disability at all. I mean, it's there. How do you hide a big wheelchair? Right. But um, I think it was just a good opportunity for, you know, the students to see that, you know, I'm really not a lot different than they are. Right. And I think that's a very respectful, genuine way to do it without needing to be a big mouth about it without yeah. I get both sides mm-hmm. um you know um it is hard to can I ask you a, can I ask you a question ask me whatever you want I want to know, know what you think of this what do you think because uh, there was a disability presentation ironically going on in another room while I was there teaching mental health what do you think of these disability presentations that are there to show people how hard their lives are? Like, look at how hard it is for me to put my coat on. Or, you know, plug your nose and breathe through a straw. Look at how hard it is for me to, for me to breathe, you know, and, uh, you know, tie your hand backwards and, put your coat on and look at how hard that is for me. I can't stand those things because I think they make us look incapable. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, that actually leads to our next area in the conversation. And I'm so glad you brought oh. that up. And that do you think disability advocacy or disability pride has become borderline victim shaming. I'm going to ask you what you mean, first of all, by victim shaming. I want to know what you mean by that before I answer the question. Like, you're the disabled one. You're the victim. You're the one who's oppressed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some good advocacy that I see, um, but a lot of it, absolutely. Um, I think also the disability pride also does that, but I think advocacy can be done in one of two ways, right? If we are the ones that advocate for ourselves and we speak strongly and clearly and concisely and don't blame the world for our problems, I think advocacy, oh my God, you'd think I had a drink instead of a cigarette. Advocacy can be a very powerful thing, right? And it could actually view people with disabilities as a strong group of people that are, you know, asking for what they need. Um, Other forms of advocacy, though, that I see by parents, and I'm not a parent, so I'll say that, and I don't think I have too much of a vote in terms of what parents say. 
it is a lot of, oh, poor, this poor kid, and they'll never have a normal life, and everything's so hard for them. And so there's a right, in my mind, there's a right way to do advocacy, and there's a wrong way to do advocacy. Now, did you see on my, um, you have SMA as well, don't you? That is correct. Cool. And so I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm fighting for Spinraza because okay. people over 18 in Canada, you, in my province, don't get it. Wow. So they actually, I was actually on the local news um, last week, and I really, 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 it's on my Facebook. You can look at it later. I loved how they did the piece. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for a victim, Lori, oh, boo-hoo. It was Lori asking for what she needs. And that's how I think advocacy should be done. Jordan can ask for what he needs and advocate for what he needs. Absolutely. Um, yeah. As long as you don't get these um, people that are hung up on ableism, that are oppressed, that's a whole other thing, though. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I like the way you said that, how it's kind of a wants versus needs kind of thing, you know, and a lot of times that can be very misinterpreted. Um, People think every little thing is a need when it's actually a want, but that's just the human nature thing. That's not even disability anymore. That's just everybody (laughs) when you really go back to it and, um, you know, as we kind of close up here with all this, I kind of think about my own life and I think about all of the disabled people nowadays, again, who are just making a name for themselves online, um, social media, YouTube, whatever. And they're doing all these good things, advocating disability, being prideful in their disability, mm-hmm. Um, however they want to do it, it's whatever, whether I, I, I agree with it or not. Um, it's an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's cool that these disabled individuals are getting all of these accolades and all this attention. But my thing is, when I look at all that, and when I think about what we all, what we all went through, in life, we didn't get there on our own. And I think about no. um, how people, um, able-bodied people are just eating this up so sweetly. And like, oh, this disabled person is so mighty, so great. That's a, that's a little extreme, oh. but they're so wonderful. I'm thinking, hold on a second. And this leads to my last question for you and for everybody listening to this podcast right now. And that's do parents or caregivers, but do parents get enough credit? Especially going back to the first question with being a disability warrior, because the parents are the one who truly endured with all the hardships they had to go through with coming together to care and love their child 
with a disability, with how they had to just deal with the caring, the, the hospital visits and the medical issues, all of the, everything in between, just all they had to do to give life to the disabled child and help bring them to where they are now. Do the parents get enough credit, especially in the public eye? I do, um, but I, I, I don't have children because mm-hmm. I like furry animals. Yeah. But I could just imagine myself not having SMA and having a child with like SMA type one. I can't think of anything more terrifying. Yes. Um, and I am quite sure that many of these parents um, that have been through a lot with their children, no doubt carry some PTSD with them. I mean, obviously it's a parent's duty to love and take care of their child. Yeah. Um, but I, my, upbring- my upbringing was um, far from ideal. Um, okay. I'll tell you that. I left them really early. Um, but I see what some of these parents do. And you know what? They're amazing. Yeah. Like, I have admiration for many of these parents. I mean, they'll go to the moon and back just to give their child the most, well, I hate saying normal, but the most normal life they can or the best life they can, right? And um, I hold a lot of admiration. I mean, I see a lot of parents that have basically put their entire lives on hold to to raise their child and give their child their best life possible. And yeah, yeah I, I admire those parents. Absolutely. I think I asked that because, again, I hear these stories with people my age and even those that are a little older than me because mm-hmm. we grew up with technology advancing that they have access to everybody now their voices can be heard from their phones and you have all these praises and wonderful things to be said about the individual the mm-hmm. disability and advocacy that's great that's really wonderful i've been high off of it myself a few times in my life. But when I really think back and I look at all these people like me, mm-hmm. for those that had good parents or caregivers or parental figures, mm-hmm. whatever, it doesn't have to be a regular parent. I'm just thinking, right. what about the parents? Like they've been yeah. through so much crap and so yeah. much heartache and so yeah. much bad so many battles that are so heavy that these they are the real unsung heroes in yeah, the I, disability I, pride I movement uh you know i i completely agree with you i mean to watch what a child goes through the surgeries and God forbid if they get pneumonia or something like RSV or like there's, there can be a lot of trauma associated with that. But yet, you know, I see a lot of these parents that just give their kids like 
the best life possible. Yeah. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. It really is. And again, there's just sometimes I wish I could say that some of these people that are famous online, they sometimes they do, I give them credit, but I don't know, I just wish I could talk with them on there and be like, how's your parents doing? How's your mom doing? If they have one, how's your dad doing? If they have one. And yeah. like, they've really busted butt to help with you. And they helped you with everything. Really. I'm talking yeah. about a regular situation. I don't know. It just, I'm not saying it's required or like it needs to be addressed. No. Like people online that we see, I'm not saying they have to write a big long post or video all about how their parents were their caregivers forever or what it was like having their parents as their caregivers for the, I'm not saying it like that, like they need a big speech or anything, whatever, but it's acknowledgement for it would be nice because they help bring us to where we are a lot of times. Not everybody, a lot of times, Disabled people, they didn't have normal parents. True that. Someone was someone was there to help care for them and raise them and went through a lot of unseen battles that helped them out. Absolutely. A lot of prayer, a lot of love. And I don't know, I just kind of wish I saw more of that. I don't know. I, I see so many documentaries and things online about again the individual but I don't hear I barely hear Jack about the mom and dad or yeah or I just or the parental figures I don't know I just I just wish that was kind of more of a common conversation and you it know, sounds, sounds like a good podcast topic to me someday yeah and yeah, I, know, I just kind of wanted to end on that note with uh, not really thinking about ourselves so much. Like, I'm disabled. I'm empowered. Like, uh, like it's so empowering or whatever. If, if people find that empowering, good. Bottom line, yeah, we talked about both sides tonight about disability, pride, and how some people despise it. Some people are great at it. Power to both sides. Um, if you're empowered by it, cool. But I just wish some of us were more aware, I guess. You know, disability is rough. Disability is very difficult. But it is not for the weak, my friend. No. It's and- a it's it's a rough go. And you know. I certainly will not say that it's been an easy ride. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people like my wonderful rock star husband that's made it a much easier ride. Yeah. But no, it's not it's not an easy ride. It's tough. And most importantly, it's a shared experience. You know? It is a shared experience. You're right. Um, yeah, and like so many things like it's like I did this. I did that as a disabled. I'm like, no, you had help with that. 
yeah, it was your idea. It was your conception. Power to you, but people helped you get to where you are. Mm-hmm. Be thankful. I'm not Absolutely. saying again, I'm not saying they have to be sappy about it. I'm not saying they're unthankful. I'm not saying people in the disabled community are not grateful or not showing gratitude. But it's like, right. just remember your roots and remember how your loved ones, especially your family, helped you for the most part. You know, I, I agree. And I'm a big believer in gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm incredibly grateful to Tim for, you know, he supported me through a couple different careers. Um, he supported me when I could no longer work 50 hours a week. And wow, right? I yeah. mean, he was a guy that we would get up super early and he would drive me to work so I didn't have to take the short bus. Um, you know, I will never take the support that he's given me for granted ever. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, praise God to you guys. And with that said, thank I want you. to thank you so much with joining me on my very first episode of Handy Schlapped. And um, thank you so much for your words, for sharing your experiences and just sharing your input to make, uh, just make a good point. It was an honor. All, this. all right, well, for all those listening, we are going to say goodbye to Lori right now. And it was an honor, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lori. Okay, everyone, that is our show. And I want to thank Lori Young again for being my very first guest on this podcast. And, you know, when I think about everything and reflect, I just want to encourage all of you, disabled or non-disabled, to reach out to your loved ones and those who supported you in your life to bring you to where you are now, whether it's your parents, family members, siblings, friends, teachers, pastors, mentors, whoever. I encourage you to just call them and say thank you, if you're able to, that is. If you're unable to do that, or if there are some bad lines and relationships going on there, I encourage you to take some time and forgive. Easier said than done, I know, but the world is enough of a mess as it is, and holding on to that anger, pain, and bitterness. It's only giving you more baggage to deal with. So if you're able to, I encourage you to reach out, call them, tell them you love them and thank them, and to also forgive them if you need to. And with all of that said, if you would like to become a producer of this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash handyschlapped. That's patreon.com slash H-A-N-D-I-S-C-H-L-A-P-P-E-D. On there, you'll find all different kinds of perks for your own benefit. I can give you a shout out at the end of every episode. You can sign up for a live stream Q&A with yours truly and a bunch of other people just to hang out and talk about whatever for a couple of hours. Or better yet, 
you can sign up to be a guest on this very show itself. Check it all out at patreon.com slash handyslapped. This is Jordan Schrader. Thank you and God bless you.